The following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcast Network. For advertising information or to find more great podcasts, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com and follow us on Twitter at RealTheUnderdog. You're listening to the Underdog Sports NBA Show. With host Tyler Laurie and Zandrick Ellison. Brought to you by Underdog Sports. Tune in every week as Tyler and Zan recap the biggest storylines and news in the NBA. Welcome to episode 131 of the Underdog Sports NBA show. I am Tyler Laurie and I'm joined as always by my co-host out in California, Zandrick Ellison. Zan, how are you on this fine Sunday morning? I'm doing well. Are you in the holiday spirit yet? It's December. I dressed up in a Santa suit yesterday for pictures because you can't, you know, not go into a mall to have uh, Theo sit on some Santa's lap that we don't know. Not right now, at least. Maybe next year. So I was well, saying listeners might not know that you every year you work at the mall as a Santa. <laughs> I don't know. I got and I keep took... telling you, please stop. We, we didn't hire you for this. Get out of here. <laughs> I was told I didn't look jolly enough behind the beard, which again, I don't know. I, it's just, I'm not a good actor. That's not what I do. I was, I was just trying to be a good Santa, you know, that's it. But I guess I wasn't jolly enough. My cheeks weren't red enough. It was, well, you're not heavy enough. You got to gain a little weight to be a proper Santa. Do you think that's like a, they make Santas do that? Like, cause you could, you could sue somebody for that, right? You show up to the mall, you want to be a Santa and they're like, sorry, you're not 280 plus pounds. You can't be Santa. I wonder if you could have a lawsuit on your hands. Well, there's got to be a lot of, you know, there are different racial Santas I've seen out there. Well, that's good. okay. Right. And and I what guess skinny Santa, Santa? What, could you sue over, you know, gender discrimination? Then you see that episode of the office where Phyllis wanted to be Santa and Michael like oh, laughed true. about it. They, they, the office has been tackling gender norms for years, but anyway, we got a lot going on this week. Some interesting news out of the Eastern Conference, right? The John Wall-Russell Westbrook swap, or Russell Westbrook-John Wall swap, as however you want to call it. You've probably been waiting to get on the show. You wanted to do an emergency podcast. I said no, partially because I was sad about John Wall not being a Washington <laughs> No wonder you're not a jolly Santa. But, uh, and then I guess... We'll cover the LeBron extension and Anthony Davis extension. We'll cover those a little bit, too. And then we're going to do Eastern Conference over-unders for the second half of the show. We'll do Western Conference next week. And then, Zan, we're, from the time this airs, it'll be exactly two weeks to the start of the NBA season, which seems insane. Way so, too fast. Way, way too fast. fast. So we'll do over-unders this week and next week, and then the wins draft the week after. And then by then, we'll have games to talk about. And uh, Christmas Day games, that schedule's out. We'll kind of cover that, I think, next week as well. So we got a lot going on, but where, where do you want to start? You want to start with Wall and Westbrook, I guess? Yeah, definitely. And I thought it was actually interesting. Subconsciously, you said big news in the Eastern Conference, because obviously these are two different conferences, but I think that implies that this is more impactful for Washington and maybe it changes their fate a little bit more. And I think that's probably true. Yeah, I didn't even actually really think about that. I think that was my own bias of just having been a Wizards fan. And I have like a lot of thoughts on this, but I I do think like in the immediate short term, this makes the Wizards, I, I guess from right now, this makes the Wizards better, right? Like we have no idea how good of a player Wall is going to be. And, and, and we'll talk about this, but like Bobata Sportsbook took the Wizards over under off the board because... I don't think they they were prepared for something like this. And I think it was it was 33 before. And, and now, like, it, it, I think it'll go up a little bit because I, I think without knowing what you get from Wall, 
you know, at least with Westbrook, you know, you're getting a healthy guy. Now, I think there's some fit issues more so than there were with Wall. I actually think it's possible that a healthy Wall is a little bit better of a fit with Harden in like a natural offense. But again, Westbrook was fantastic for two months last year. He's, you know, an MVP, nine-time All-NBA guy. Like, I mean, the the accolades for Westbrook are, are very, I mean, lofty, right? Like he's a Hall of Famer. And but he's 32 years old, and essentially there were two deals the Wizards could make, right, Sam? They could trade for Russell Westbrook, or they could trade for Blake Griffin, and those were the only two real deals that made them sense for Wall. So I don't know what this means for Houston. I don't think they're going to trade James Harden unless he just says, like, I'm never showing up to the arena. But I think this makes Washington – I don't know if it makes them a favorite for the A spot, but before I thought Atlanta was, like, definitively better than them, I definitely don't think that now. Like, I think Russ makes them – almost guaranteed to be like in that seventh or eighth spot mix, right? Like how much worse are the Wizards if everyone's healthy than like Indiana or Atlanta or, you know, a team like that? Not much worse, right? Yeah. And the other reason you probably thinking Eastern Conference is because we're going to do all the over-unders for the East. And and that's really going to be like the key, most interesting battle maybe for that eighth spot, um, probably between Washington and Atlanta. I would have not picked Washington before this trade. Because it's it, for all the reasons you said, it's just like Wall, when he was healthy, you know, I think on par with Russell Westbrook, you can quibble about what style you like more. I mean, last time he played over half the season, he averaged 23 points, 11 assists, two steals a game. The problem is that happened in 2016, 2016, 2017. Yeah. yeah. He's so, like 30% of games since then. And, you know, obviously this is just year. such a, you, such an unknown. And, you know, that's always the fear with Russell Westbrook is like, why give him a big contract? He's not going to age well if he slows down if, or if he gets injured. And that's already happened to John Wall. So, I mean, like, obviously, you like a bird in the hand is worth a similar bird in the bush, right? Um, so I think in the short term, I do, I agree with you. I think this will, makes them feel like a more secure bet to at least be close to 500. Yeah, and I think let's talk about this from the Wizards' perspective to begin with, because I'll talk about Wall a little bit uh, when we get to like talking about it from the Rockets' perspective, and and I do want to talk about John Wall and I, how important I think he is to Washington. But Russ, Seth Partner wrote an article on the Athletic. I think everyone should read it if you subscribe to the Athletic about kind of why the Russ fit is a little different. Like just assuming you're getting the guy that averaged, you know, like thirty-eight and eight. For, for Houston over like the winter months last year is like not fair to assume basically like I mean they switched their offense entirely to have Russ kind of play like the five spot almost like Robert Covington was kind of the five on defense but like Russ on offense was like in the middle of the floor tons of space like leading the break there was nobody really to guard him they, they know you couldn't play a rim protector against them like so there were times when he had to shoot but he had to shoot a lot less like Washington is not going to do that right like they paid Thomas Bryant like they have Rui, they have Denny, those guys have to play. They have freaking, uh, you know, Brad Beal needs the ball a ton. Like, that's what he does. Like, so, so Washington is, like, not going to play that style. So there is some chance that, like, we kind of see the Russell Westbrook from the first month of last season. And, like, that guy's just as, – I, I am as, as big a Russell Westbrook fan as there is. I think the, the Russ slander is, like, outrageous because, again, he plays hard every single night. Like, you, you never have to ask certain things of him. Like, you just want him to shoot a little less. But, like, in Washington, like, the fit is going to be clunkier. Like, I understand everyone's focused on, like, well, if you could play with James Harden, you can definitely play with Brad Beal. But 
it's not so much that he couldn't play with James Harden, right? Like, he still used 35% of possessions with Harden. There's plenty of shots to go around. It's just how the floor is balanced around him. And, you know, the Wizards could play Russ with Beal, Davis Bertans, you know, Troy Brown, Thomas Bryant was shooting threes in the bubble. Rui's going to shoot threes and he's not a good shooter. Denny the same way. And maybe it could work out. But playing Russ with, like, a lot of – like like the the floor clogged like that that's just not a good fit and Russ is 32 years old like we saw how the injury affected him in the bubble last year like if he gets if he tweaks a hamstring again and it's two months like he might not be a very good player for the Wizards now I would bet that he would be because I'm not going to bet against Russell Westbrook until you know the wheels come off but Zan like I'm not I don't think it's like a super seamless fit like I, I think that like a healthy wall is probably a better fit for the Wizards than Russ. I just think yeah. there were some no, things going that. on. I think there were some things going on behind the scenes and you didn't want to bet on Wall's health when you need Beal to resign or you want Beal to well, resign. Well, I think I think it was a little more than that too. I think um I agree with you like fit wise, I think Wall's an easier fit for most teams actually. He's more of like a traditional point guard in that way. Um I also worry defensively. The Wizards were 30th in defense last year. And Westbrook can be a good defender, freelances a lot, but it's hard to freelance when the rest of your teammates aren't very good at defense. And so, like, how is that going to get from 30th to anywhere near, like, the mid-tier? I mean, it's just – it's they haven't done enough to their roster to make me think their defense is going to be much better. I think their defense and is going to be horrendous. Yeah, right? and so if you have a horrendous defense, like, how do you make the playoffs? You, maybe in the East you can. Because the Hawks but, should be the Hawks should be pretty bad defensively too. If we're talking about like battle for the eighth spot, the Hawks should be pretty bad defensively, right? And you know, like say Portland. Portland was really bad defensively last year, but they also have like Damian Lillard and McCollum, who are like much more efficient scorers than Russell Westbrook. Yep, I still like it. I mean, like I'm a you're a huge Westbrook defender. I'm a huge hater. I think he's like I admire his <laughs> effort. But I do think he's massively overrated. It's been throughout his career. I think he's the reason Oklahoma City's dynasty blew up because he just wasn't good enough. I think, and I think he does give you like a ceiling where it's like his style of play is not going to win a title. It's just not. It's just not efficient enough. On the plus side, it's consistently going to get you in the mix. You know, to be five hundred, to win forty five games in an average year, and go out in the first round and that doesn't sound great but if you're washington and that probably is your goal then maybe it's worth doing yeah and and i think you you know we we're not always like this odd couple where like you hate something and i really like it like i just think the russell westbrook narrative is unfair to him like i'm not saying that i think he's an mvp candidate anymore i don't i don't think that but like the idea that he's not one of the best like 20 to 25 players in the league i think is false i do think it's 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 weird right you can't just put him on any team and he'll be that good it doesn't work that way right not with his style anymore so I agree with that I just think that like for a team like Washington you know they attached a protected first round pick so they really wanted to get off Beal or get off wall excuse me and and I think the biggest reason is like if they stunk this year they know that Beal's leaving and Beal made a big post about how he was like sad he missed John Wall whatever I told you I heard behind the scenes that you know Beal's camp was kind of like it's it's him or me I don't know that Brad ever said that I don't I, well I don't, actually that's the point I was trying to make too and I I don't think it's totally a basketball thing I think right there was a there was a lot of blowback apparently you know there's this we mentioned it on the show Tommy Shepard gave some interviews where he said he's building around Beal and he was very complimentary of Wall, but somehow they had to like manage Wall's ego after the fact because he took that the wrong way. 
all these players nowadays. I mean, come on. (laughs) Did you see there was like an interview with Wall like two days after that? And they were like, did you request a trade? And he was like super combative in the interview. And that's the thing about Wall. Like you you get what you pay for with him. Like, and I don't want to like rant about John Wall, but like I do know that behind the scenes, I think the organization was was tired of the attitude. I, I do feel yeah, that you know way. what I think it is? I, I and this is purely speculative, you know obviously more about the specifics. Um but I've always thought this that Wall's attitude, he seems like a good teammate, a good guy to play with. But on the court, I I just thought it like his attitude kind of soured the team in this way. Like yeah. Jimmy Butler to me is an example, the prototype of like a guy with a chip on his shoulder. Like not a big recruit, not a high draft pick, and just works his ass off every Russ night. Is sim- Russ is similar in that regard, by the way. Yeah. And then Wall is a guy who was, you know, top high school recruit, top point guard at Kentucky, number one pick. And it always feels like he thinks he's the best player on the court, as is. And he's he is not good enough to be that. You know, he's not a, you know, top three, five player, top ten player, and he never really has been, but he acts like it. And I think it led to some sort of lethargy on the wizards they'd always kind of coast and like oh we'll turn it on in the playoffs and they were a little bit better in the playoffs and they had a little swagger which is nice but they didn't really merit that sort of reputation and and i feel like that sort of i don't want to call it laziness but just sort of that like they didn't really seem to have the eye of the tiger through the regular season play bad defense you know kind of coast barely make the playoffs it's just like you could be so much better than this and i don't know what's driving you not to be so i want to i want to talk about wall before we talk about the the fit in houston or maybe we'll talk about the fit in houston whatever i think it's fine with harden wall is a is a fine open three-point shooter the problem is like does he want to move without the ball right is he just going to stand there because if you have harden and wall both just standing there like Wall is not the same as Chris Paul, like in the pick and roll, right? Like he's way better in transition. He wants to play fast, but he, but you're exactly right. Like he's a better passer than Russell Westbrook and, and at full strength when he cares, he's a much better defender, but he is not the same. Like he's not the same rebounder. You know, he's not the same like night in and night out force as Russ. But in terms of like, can he catch and shoot open threes? Like he was like a 38% shooter on catch and shoot threes. Like he's fine. He's been okay in that role. His, his right. shooting woes, compared to Russ are, are vastly understated. Like Wall is not a great shooter, but he is by no means a guy that like you just can't guard. He's probably very similar. I would say like he's, you know how like last year in the playoffs, like I was like, oh, they should never guard Schroeder, never guard Schroeder. Like that's sort of probably what it is with Wall. Like you have to guard him because some games he's going to make five out of seven threes, right? Like, but he's not Russ where it's like, okay, he's 22% shooter. I, I think with Wall too, you worry a little bit about the personality fit with with. James like I think with Harden like th- those guys both like the party like that's definitely out there they both do their work they show up they 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 play hard but I think with Wall like when he plays with a chip on his shoulder and he's motivated like there are a few guys that demand the pressure that he does and I think this may motivate him to really I, I hope work. so but like to that to my earlier point like He's going to go be a clear second banana now. If you bristled okay that out before, that. no, I he, I don't I don't agree with that. I I think that when you set expectations, this is this is this is my thing with John Wall, and like I said, I'll, I'll keep this short. But I love John Wall. Like I, I think that other than like Steven Strasburg, like there's really no, and I guess Alexander Ovechkin, but I'm not like a huge hockey fan. But in terms of growing up in the DC area and how dysfunctional every single team was like, we had the three years of Gilbert arenas that were great, but like the Nats stunk for a long time. Like the caps were good, but like hockey's, you know, not a great sport to watch the skin, the Washington football team is always bad. Right. 
And so they draft Wall in 2009. They put him in this situation that's just like an absolute abomination, right? You have this team with like Gilbert and like Nick Young and JaVale McGee and Javaris Crittenden. There's guns in the locker room. Like how is he supposed to succeed, right? So you have this guy where you need him to be like motivated. You need him to play with a chip on his shoulder. And I just think that Wall showed up every single day and tried to make the team better. He embraced the city. Like he donates so much money and so much time. He was always available for charity work. Even like not playing, he he raised $300,000 for people in Ward 8 to pay rent during this pandemic. Like last week amid the trade rumors, he did a backpack drive and gave out gift cards and stuff like for meals for the holiday season. Like I love that guy. And I know the gang sign stuff was not good. I know he spent way too much time, you know, at, at, Rose Bar, or whatever the hell it's called, the Stephen A. Smith quote, like that stuff is true. But like when it was time for him to play, like he's probably, and this is sad to say, Zan, like he's probably the best wizard of the last 25 years. Like in terms of what he meant to the city, like he took him as far in the playoffs as they've been since 1978. Like they had swagger. And I think the bigger issue is that like they have a lot of young guys now, they need to turn over the culture and they don't want to play that way anymore, right? They don't have a use for Paul Pierce or Markeith Morris or Marching Gortat, like these tough guys who want to play around wall and they want that personality. Now they've got, you know, Troy Brown and Rui Hamushimura and Danny Avija, like they need those guys to see a real example. And I don't think they believe that to be John Wall, but I yeah. just want you guys to know, like I want everybody who listens, like, it sucks to see John Wall leave. I thought he deserved better. And I know it's a business. I totally understand that. He didn't hold up his end of the bargain on some of the things. But that guy played every night when he was healthy. He, he played through things. Like, he did everything he could to make the team really good. And 15, 16, and 16, 17, like, those teams had real juice, man. Like, they were fun to watch. And Wall really was in 16, 17, like, one of the best 20 players in the NBA. Maybe best 15, maybe best 10. No, I he agree. was such and a good defender. That's... And it sucks to see things end like this. Because he is... In terms of what the city embodies, like he was an unbelievable star for the city to have. And I, I'm sad to see it go. I'm sad to see him go. I really am. I want him to succeed in Houston. I really do. Well, we like last week we lamented the idea that maybe the Splash Brothers will never be the same. They were so fun to watch. Yeah. This is obviously a reduced example. Different. That, it's different. But I agree with you. Like the, those Wizards teams, when they had a healthy Markeith Morris and Marcin Gortat was underrated – Auto like, auto porter. Uh, they had a great, not great, but very, very good one through five. Yeah. And I think they almost to the point where like they could have made the finals if their supporting if cast Scott was Brooks better. Wasn't a, if Scott Brooks wasn't an idiot in 16, 17, I think they could, they could have won game seven in Boston. Definitely. Yeah. If they just go small, like he just refused it kind of reminded me, they didn't get as much press because they're a smaller market, but like the Lob City Clippers where it's like, their bench, they never figured out their bench. They weren't really well never. coached. And like they were a few pieces away from really breaking through and it just ended before they ever got that chance. Yeah. And that that was the biggest thing. Like if Wall doesn't break his hand in fourteen in fifteen, sixteen, maybe they beat Atlanta and get to the Eastern Conference Finals. And like I said, in sixteen, seventeen, they just bury Kelly Oubre on the bench while Kelly Olenek goes nuts and like they refuse to play Marquise at the five like you know it's stuff like that that's frustrating and, and again like, that's nothing that wall can do like you show up and play he had the biggest shot in game six and then just didn't you know didn't didn't come through and I, it's like I said I don't want to I don't want to like sit here and rant a ton but like I, I'll miss John Wall and I, I think you know it, it, it speaks to like a bigger point right I don't know if you knew this Zan but when the Wizards traded John Wall the only two players in the league that had been on a team for 10 straight years with the team that drafted them was our Steph Curry, who's obviously still with the Warriors and will retire there, I'm sure. And then John Wall. That's it. Nobody else. It just doesn't happen like that much anymore, right? Guys don't stay 10 years. It's not the 
nature of the league. And so I feel like, you know, right. as you get, as you get older, like your rabid fanhood kind of dies out. And this kind of felt like my last real connection with like the wizards that I watched growing up and went to so many games and had season tickets. And so probably taking it a little harder than I should, but I, I'm going to, you know, I love Houston and I love Daryl Moore or Daryl Moore's not there anymore. So I'm a Sixers fan, I guess, but I love Houston. I love James Harden. Like, so it'll be really fun to watch yeah. them together. If Wallace, cause you mentioned it, like his passing is really underrated. He's a uh, tremendous pass. I mean, yeah. you talk about a guy that gets you corner threes. They've got two of the best other than like LeBron wall and Harden are like the two best guys in the NBA getting corner threes. No more of this, like Russell Westbrook drives the lane and throws the ball at PJ Tucker's feet. Right. Like, <laughs> right. These two dudes are going to put it right in the shooting pocket every time. Like I've said this before too, but like LeBron is like the most incredible thing to me is when he's driving at full speed and throws like a perfect pinpoint pass <laughs> from his, the court. from his offhand to like, he just whips it over his head. It's like unbelievable. Wall does that. He has Wall, that. Yeah. Wall is at the very least top five in the NBA at that too. Maybe top three. If you, you know, I mean, he, he has that sort of like amazing ability. He's not quite the finisher that LeBron is inside. So and he's not as big, you know, he's also, um, it's, it's like wall and DeMarcus, the, 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 the Rockets have rapidly turned into like, this like super odd roster, right? So like Harden, we don't know. He, he maybe requested a trade to Brooklyn. Some people are saying like he walked in and said, trade me to Brooklyn and that's it. And, but they're saying that's not true, but like DeMarcus Cousins, Christian Wood, PJ Tucker, Eric Gordon. John well, we're going to talk about the West next week, but should we, <laughs> if we do the East over unders today, that was our plan. Do you want to just start with Washington? I know we were probably going to order, but we're wanted talking. To go, I thought you said you wanted to go in the standings. Standings order. Okay, fine. Let's, let's save them. Then. I, so um. let's talk two, two more minutes about the West. Uh, again, I think this makes Houston better. Like I would go on Bovada and, and be very interested in what Houston's over under is. I have not looked, but I, I do. Think I have that, it. Like, I have it saved for next week. I do think that Houston is. Spoiler amazing. alert. It's too, it's too low. I, yeah, I, I do think that, like, as long as Harden plays, and there's so many uncertainties about this season that we've talked about, but, like, as long as Harden plays, and, like, if Wall's, like, 75 or 80%, like, I think Houston's going to be pretty okay. So, we'll get to that. Uh, Anthony Davis, five years, $190 million contract, early termination option after year four, comes right on the heels of the LeBron two-year, $85 million extension. I'll start with LeBron, Zan, uh, totally fair, right? Like maybe it won't be amazing in the last year, but I think this is probably LeBron's last contract. Does that make sense to you? Three more years, he's tied. He finally, like you said, gets paid, you know, not as market value, but close to it. And uh, that'll put him, what, he'll be 36 at the end of that deal. Maybe he'll play again after that. It's it's pretty close to his, I mean, my two thoughts on that are, you know, there's a lot of talk that they're going to do like one plus ones and try to get Giannis yeah. next year. And maybe they could still do it in like some sort of weird it, sign in trade, but unlikely. It seems like that's out now. They could still do it. You're exactly right. They, they only have like six guys under contract for next year, but it seems like the Lakers don't really manage their cap in a way that they would be able to kind of jam this in. Right. I don't know. It, it does feel that way, though, that the Giannis to L.A. rumors are now pretty close to dead. And the other thing too, you mentioned the market value. There's a couple of good um, posts about this. I would recommend people read Cilantro Samosa on Reddit. Cilantro Samosa. He did the whole um, thing about, you know, using stats to show who's been the most overpaid and underpaid historically. And guys like LeBron, once they're and Luca now, like if they're MVP candidates early on in their career, they're just like massively underpaid because they're still on these rookie deals. Like LeBron was getting like $4 million and finishing second in MVP. And then the max also makes them underpaid. So some estimates are like LeBron's been underpaid in terms of salary by like 
$250 million. So, um, as you know, as much as we like grumble about his like antics and like, you know, scheming behind the scenes, like he he's has reasons best, to scheme behind the best. scenes because he is kind of screwed by the system in a way. Yeah, it's hard to like we've talked about the billionaires versus millionaires thing, but like LeBron absolutely should have made close to a billion dollars in his NBA career as a specific as just a player. Like for the value you've gotten for eighteen years, like that would pay for itself over and over again right like well it's so bizarre like i and i saw some backlash against like posts like that where they're like athletes shouldn't make that much money like they should tax them over a million dollars for everything they're like why athletes and not singers why athletes and not actors why are we picking on athletes who by you know basic stats are underpaid in some cases and you know rarely it's only like five of them that are underpaid but still, like that's a pretty big difference if you were at your job and they said, hey, you're, you're getting about 70% of what you're worth. You'd be a little annoyed too. I, I agree. I agree with that. And, I, you know, again, I, I do think, like I said, the, the more I look at this deal and then I look at the Anthony Davis thing that maybe LeBron will play to the end of the fourth year on Anthony Davis's deal. Like he'll sign like – so AD, I don't understand it from a – business perspective right I understand that Rich Paul's job is to make sure that LeBron's team is the best that it can be and then he'll worry about everyone else getting paid like that's it's it's a joke at this point it's it's an absolute joke but Anthony Davis signed a deal that gets him to the 10-year max a year like he could have signed a two plus one and gotten paid like the 35 percent max after that and instead he signs this four-year deal with an early termination option so obviously they did it to kind of keep their cap flexible but it looks almost like they did it so that AD could play till LeBron decided he was done. And then AD has, if LeBron retires at the end of this year, then AD has a choice. Then AD can stay with the Lakers, see what they do. And then if he wants to leave LA, he can leave LA and be, and he's 30 years old and he can get another huge deal. But like, why wouldn't he just sign a two plus one? Like it just, I, from a business perspective, there's no way that Rich Paul could have advised Anthony Davis to do this in good faith. And it's, again, it's $190 million. Like who cares, right? Like he's, he's rich beyond his wildest dreams. Like he's in LA, he's playing with LeBron. Like things are good. They could win a title this year. They could win a title next year, whatever. But like, Sam, if your goal is to make your client specifically the most money, like this is, a, this is uh, ridiculous. It makes zero sense. Like I don't get it. And, and, I, know, and I, I just had this other thought and I don't want to divert too much because we do have to get to the over-unders. Um, the NBA basically has a salary structure, which again, underpays the top end guys, but in a way that it's almost agent proof, like they shouldn't need an agent if you're Anthony Davis, because you come in, say you're Zion, you're paid the rookie deal. It's already determined how much you're getting paid. Correct. If you're as good as you want, think we're going to be your, your max, it's already set up. This is how much you're getting paid on the max. So there's really no room for agents to do much. And I think because of that, these agents like worm their way in and like find a use for themselves. And it's like, Hey Zion, you know, you let's try to get you to the Knicks. That's what we should do. You know, like they need some like sort of like way to get in the, in the circle and like scheme in a system where they really don't need that much help. I, I just, I, I have no issues with rich Paul. Like I don't want people to listen to this and be like, Oh, Tyler's mad that like rich Paul is like making a lot of money. Like I, I think rich Paul's story is great. I think player empowerment is great. You know that. I just think that like we need to, it would be better if people just called things for what they were. And like, I just think that we've seen Rich Paul do weird things with his clients when they're, when LeBron is like peripherally involved. Right. And so like that to me, 
like you said, like Anthony Davis should just get paid the max deal for the rest of his career, right? Like he should never need someone to negotiate a contract for. But it doesn't work like that. So I don't know. I don't want to. I don't want to be like big man. The Lakers are going to be pretty good. Pretty uh-huh. good. They are going to be pretty good. Yeah, and, and again, I haven't seen like what that structure looks like for specifically after next year. Because like if it's very low in the first year or lower, maybe that means the Giannis deal is better, and maybe I should have done more research. But like I just, it doesn't seem like Giannis is going to go to the Lakers. So like, why wouldn't Anthony Davis just take the deal that gets him paid two hundred and fifty million in three years? You know, I don't know. Whatever. So okay, let's get to the East because we have over unders. Um, Bovada just came out. It's like a degenerate. Speaking of Christmas, degenerates Christmas when the over unders <laughs> come out. Yeah. Uh, real, um, real quick before we go into them, I do believe that the okay. So obviously, we know the league is playing seventy-two games. Bovada specifically on their site, it doesn't necessarily say if you have to play like sixty-eight games or sixty. Yeah, some sites know. saying you have a minimum of sixty-eight, which yeah, and uh, only seventy difference in an over and under, right? And only sixty-eight or seventy-two. Yeah, correct. So I would say just well, you do listen to these numbers, understand that we're trying to do it based on seventy-two games, and we don't know like if a team plays sixty-seven games and goes over, not sure, or goes under. I, I'm not sure if you'll get paid out on that. I would imagine you could click around and you can easily uh, find out that information. So while we're doing yeah. it, I'll try to. I'll try to look it up. Yeah, just be careful. And all your bets, you know, season-long bets, you have to be careful in that way. Right. But let's start, is, let's start with, like, our best picks. So or let's start at the top of the standings. Milwaukee Bucks last year finished 56-17, and 17, number one in the league in wins, point differential, regular season beast. What's their over-under for this year out of 72 right. games? So Bovada has them at 51 straight. So – Seems realistic, right? That would be what fifty-one and twenty-one. That seems it's a yeah. it's a little bit of a worse pace than last year. They're probably better as a starting unit this year. They're worse, probably depth-wise, from what we see. I will say because I don't want to make this a caveat for every single pick we're making. At some point, a superstar is going to get COVID and have to sit out a certain number of games. Like that's going to happen. So probably the smarter move would just be to take the under on every single bet and just kind of try to figure it out. Right. Cause like at some point that's going to happen. It's happened in every sport that hasn't had a bubble. So I don't want to continue saying that. So I'm just saying that right now uh, to me, if everybody plays, I think this is an over. Uh, I just think that Milwaukee is really good. I think that we already know that they play their guys. They, they rest their guys. They play their guys at a certain number of minutes to get them ready. So in a, in a shorter season, they're a little bit more prepared in terms of like how they're going to use their rotations but this one just seems like an over. It seems like they're going to be right in that like 54, 55 win mix again. See, I, I had them listed at 51, which is exactly – so I, I'd stay away. I just think the fear is – You can't you can't pick stay – are we allowed to pick stayaways? No, no. I, I'll, I'll pick the over if I have to. But um, I just think, you know, the, the thinking is like they've done so well in the regular season. It clearly didn't mean much. So they're going to put – I would say take their foot off the gas, but you know, they've been playing Giannis like 30 minutes a night. So I don't yeah, know how that, much they could take their foot off that, the gas. And that's kind of my point is like, this is a weird year with a bunch of back-to-backs where guys are going to play less, but the bucks are kind of like prepared for that already. That's how they've played. So, yeah. Okay. I'll go slightly over um, next team. This was really interesting line to me. Toronto last year finished 53 and 19 number two team in the entire NBA regular season. What is their over-under for this season? All right. So Bobata has them at, I believe it is 42 and one-half wins. And I've seen it as low as 41 and a half. And I just think that's 
ridiculous. Like I'm not bullish on Toronto this year, but they've won 50 games for five straight years. The roster's not that much different. You lose, you know, Serge and Mark, but those guys were not like the cornerstones right. of the team. But they replaced Aaron Baines might be better than Marcus Gasol now, right? And and Chris Boucher is like not better than Serge Ibaka, but like he could play that role pretty well. Like this team is good, man. Like it's good. This is a good team. <laughs> I, I, I you know I was so incre- intrigued by this. I looked it up. Toronto. I think it's this Toronto thing. Toronto has hit their over every single year since 2010 11 yeah i you you wanted to wait till the end of the show to do like best bets but i'm fairly certain that it's we should just do it now because like i think both of us have this as like our yes this is i have have them like three or four games better yeah this is like my number one best bet of the eastern conference like i i just don't unless they trade kyle lowry which is definitely possible like that could happen and again any number of things can happen like if this team stays together and the season goes like relatively to plan, like I don't know how they don't win forty five games, right? Like they're just really good. Like yeah, it's very odd, very odd line. I thought that was um, Boston won forty eight games last year out of seventy two. They obviously lose Gordon Hayward. What do they think that means? So forty five and a half on Bovada. Under for me. I, I just think Kemba Walker's not healthy right now. He got a he got like a plasma injection in his knee, so. It's probably not going to be ready to go until like mid January. Who knows? That could take longer. Last year he had a lingering injury that he was just out for like indefinite periods of time. Uh, Jason Tatum already took a big leap. I think that we'll see Jason Tatum take another kind of mini leap into being one of the best 10 players in the NBA. Uh, I think they needed Gordon Hayward. Filling that gap is going to be kind of interesting. Tristan Thompson's hurt. Uh, He has to play meaningful minutes for them. I just... 45 and a half is a lot of wins. I think Boston's very clearly a playoff team, but I don't know that I think Boston is like a top four team in the East and somebody's got to lose games. I think this is an under slightly. Yeah, I had a slight under. I had, you know, 45 wins for them. I just think Gordon Hayward wasn't great last year, but he, you know, played 33 minutes a night, played pretty well. Their depth is going to be tested. I think we're going to see a lot of Marcus Smart. I don't know, maybe too much shooting. He averaged, se- averaged 17, 6, and 5 on like very good shooting numbers last year. Like Gordon Hayward was very good for them last year. I understand the bubble mm-hmm. is kind of like what people remember, but like leading into the bubble, like Gordon Hayward was playing a large like minutes load for them while handling this, like being a secondary ball handler. Like I, I think that Gordon Hayward was pretty freaking good for Boston last year. And it might be one of those things where like the straw that breaks the camel's back, like because you were, your depth was questionable and now it's really going to be tested you really need like grant williams or romeo to play really well especially as you mentioned if kemba misses severe time or sometime or he's yeah. just not as good as he used to be which and, is also very plausible maybe he'll be better without Gordon Hayward. i don't know but it's hard to assume that um okay and indiana won 45 games last year 45 and 28 fired their coach but basically brought back the team where do they stand now okay bovada has them at 39 and a half wins. I, uh, that seems, this would probably be a stay away if we were allowed yeah, to. Yeah, I have a 40, so it would be very close to stay All away. Right, so you have them as a slight over. Slight over. I'm gonna, I certainly would not bet. I think I'm going to go slight under, to be honest. At some point, you and I have to disagree on something. So I think I'll go slight under. Like, this feels like a 500 team to me, right? So what do you, if you're 500, you got, you're what, 30? You go 36 36. and 36. Yeah, they feel like 38 and 34 type team to me. They just didn't make any. Is that how you got into your um, analytics program, doing that (laughs) math right there? No, we we did like more percentage based stuff. I don't know. But I I just think that like Indiana to me 
new coach who I think will be pretty good, but like, we don't know that their roster is necessarily a fit to play like this more up-tempo style it was built kind of in Nate McMillan's image. TJ Warren, I, I like, I'm bullish on TJ Warren. We don't know what's going to happen with Victor Oladipo. He still could definitely get traded. Right. Like, so it just feels like this Indiana team is good, right. not great. If you were an Indiana fan, you'd say, Hey, we won 45 games last year. Victor Oladipo didn't play the whole year. So now we'll be better. If you're negative, like I think we are, you'd say, look, their point differential was, you know, plus two. So it was pretty, you know, close to 500. You know, we're not really sure Victor Oladipo fits with TJ Warren and, you know, Sabonis. It's just, and they have a new coach. They're not satisfied with their team for some reason. There's like more uncertainty yeah. than you would it's, want here. And, you know, Malcolm Brogdon was quite good for them last year, but Jeremy Lamb's coming off an ACL injury. I don't think he's going to be ready yeah, like mid to late January is kind of what they're saying, but we know Indiana's training staff is pretty conservative, so that could bleed into February. It's not like they got a ton better in the draft. They re-signed Justin Holiday, right? Sabonis, we've heard in trade rumors. We've heard Miles Turner in trade rumors. It just feels like they're in a little flux. And it, again, it they, them to me, I think they're more of like, rather than saying like, all right, we think they're going to be like the five seed, like they were, I think they were the four seed actually, right? Like, yeah, or, yeah they were the four seed. They tied with Miami in a game that like didn't matter, right? I remember. Uh, but, like, they feel more like they're in line for, like, the eighth seed. Like, they're right. in that mix with, like, Washington and Atlanta and, like, maybe Orlando. Yeah, I was going to say seven, but I, it wouldn't shock me if they're eight or even nine if, you know, injuries or something. Okay, but let's keep moving. Miami won 44 and, you know, 72 games last year. 73, really. Um, and they – that doesn't make sense, but <laughs> I don't know why they play 73. Yeah, they played more games. Yeah. Remember, not everybody played oh, the okay. same amount. Yeah. Okay, so they won 44 out of 73. And then had a great run in the playoffs. How did that factor into the over? All right. So they over under on Bovada is uh, 44 and a half. I think this is an under. And although I like Miami and I think they might be better served in the playoffs, I am very nervous about the guys that played until the end of the season. Like I'm nervous about like the Lakers. I'm nervous about the heat. I'm nervous about the Celtics teams that played into that final four. Like you just didn't get much time off and guys needed some rest. And like, so I'm, I'm a little bit worried about Miami. Obviously we know they're super well conditioned. We know that they have this culture that's unbelievable, but like their run last year was definitely that they were good and, and people underrated them. But I, I don't know that they're like a lot better than people think. And so in, in it, I, I don't think that they're like one of the best, I don't know. They're probably about as good as Philly. I don't think they're as, they're definitely not as good as Milwaukee. I don't think they're as good as like full strength Brooklyn. And so I just think that like the lack of a layoff for them is, is going to be something we need to pay attention to. Like Jimmy Butler can't play 38 minutes a game in January and February. Right. So I just feel like they're going to be right under 45 wins, like, right. Like 43 wins or something. Yeah. I, I said the same. I said 44. And for me, it's just like, you know, they were a lot of momentum, but I don't know. I mean, like they had some things go their way last year. You know, Kendrick Nunn started really hot. Jay Crowder came over and shot really well. Definitely. He's not there anymore. Like Mo Harkless so- is a good, addition for them right but you know they lost Derek Jones that's another perimeter defender your boy Andre Iguodala is gonna have to play minutes like that's an old guy that played minutes in the playoffs like it just I think it'll take him a minute to get into form right I think they're the prime candidate to start like seven and nine and everyone's like what's wrong with Miami and then they they're fine right they finish although I wouldn't shock me at all if they're like we figured it out playing a lot of bam at the five we're gonna win 50 games this year yeah it could it definitely could happen definitely possible 
Um, Philadelphia is maybe the biggest, one of the biggest wildcard teams in the, the, in the league. They were 43 and 30 last year, obviously new coach shifted, you know, Horford and Richardson out, brought in some extra shooters. How does that reflect their over under? Yeah, this is an interesting one, right? They are, Bovada has them at 44 and a half, the same as Miami. And I think it's an over, I think I like I think eventually the Doc Rivers Daryl Morey pairing is probably going to blow up. I think it'll be amusing. It'll blow up in like spectacular fashion. I don't think this is the the year for it though. Like I think Doc is really good with Tobias Harris. I think they're going to play Tobias more than four. I think Morey's going to have some more interesting lineups to play with Ben Simmons to make Simmons more effective uh, when he's not handling the ball. I think Embiid is going to play well. I think Embiid's a good player, but they've they've added shooting. They added Seth Curry. Like I think. Tyrese Maxey and Isaiah Joe have a chance to make an impact as rookies. Paul Reed too, probably. But I think this isn't over. I think Philly's pretty good, man. Like they, they changed their roster around where it, it looks like it fits together much better. And I think Doc Rivers is, is a good coach. I think Doc Rivers coming in and being a new voice is going to be important for the Sixers locker room. And like I said, it may not work for a, a number of years, but I think this specific year, I would expect Philly to be pretty darn good. Uh, I agree. I have a slight over. My logic is, you know, I'm not an, a basketball expert, so I'm sorry for those who have to listen to my me talk about it. But, you know, I write this like 99 cent bargain free agent column and, and Seth Curry was somebody who made the list very early on. And I'm like, I just don't see why he's not played more. I don't see why he's not paid more. He's like an elite, elite shooter. And he's been productive pretty much everywhere he goes. Portland, he really helped them off the bench. Dallas, he had a really strong year. And now he goes to a really great fit in Philadelphia. And he's the kind of guy who shoots, you know, 44% from three consistently. Like that is such a big difference from Josh Richardson. Yep. So even if there's a little bit of a hit defensively, I think it's really going to help them. It's a, it's a high line though. I mean, you know, 44 and a half is a lot. It's a lot of wins. Like, it's a, yeah, I mean, it's a 50 kind of win year. pace, right? Like 48 win pace or something like it's. Yeah. So it scares me in that way. I think they could withstand an injury though. Like if Embiid missed 20 games, I think they'd be fine, but it's not a line that I would get excited about. Yeah. I mean, obviously like, I mean, they now have two legitimate wing shooters, right? Like they're, they're playing Seth Curry and Danny green. And if you, even if you don't think Danny green is great, like he is a very good shooter on a reasonable volume and he guards and he's a good teammate. Like, there's a reason that teams win when Danny Green is on them, right? No matter how bad we think Danny Green was in the playoffs last year, like Danny Green's won how many titles now, Zam? Like he's a winning player. Like, and I yeah, think, they definitely have gone from a very poor shooting team to, I would say, a, almost a, like above average. Yeah, and, a good enough shooting team around Simmons and Embiid for sure. Yeah, uh, Brooklyn, another one that's going to be really hard to to know. Thirty five and thirty seven last year. Obviously, getting their guys back healthy, probably. I don't know. What is the line? Yeah, I'm very curious to hear what you think about this. So, Bovada has them at 45 and a half, which is the second most, same as Boston. I don't have any idea what to do. I, I, I want to tell everyone that, like, if we did have a stay away option, there is 0% chance that I would place my own dollars on a Brooklyn over under, right? There's just, I, I just don't know. I have no idea. Don't know how the coaching staff's going to work. Don't know how healthy Kevin Durant's going to be. Don't assume that Kyrie Irving's going to play 60 games. Like, I guess I'm going to pick. I don't, I don't, honestly, I don't know. Um, I guess I'm going to pick the un, under, I guess. I don't know. I think they're just trying to make the playoffs, right? I think that's their only goal is make the playoffs and then win the title. I don't yeah. think they care about the regular season. They're just, they have such a good depth chart. They do. It's so you, good. Um, so good. 
So they're another team like Miami. If you told me that everything just clicks and they win 50 games, and they get if the you one told me they won, seed. If you told me they won 58 games or something, or like, I don't think I'd be surprised. No, but I would definitely stay away. I, I would, if I was gunpoint, take the under like you, maybe a game or two just in the sense that is Kevin Durant going to stay healthy? You know, yeah, it's like, is he going to play 60 games? Like Because we, we could definitely hear, right, that like Durant is not going to play until February or March. And it'd be fine for Brooklyn, I think, right? right. If, and is there I, any I reason to play him in a back-to-back? Right. Or is he'll, 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 play zero, he'll play zero back-to-backs, I'm sure, right? Like, yeah. I can't imagine he'll play back-to-backs. So I, I think mean, full I think, strength, this team, on paper, one of the best teams in the NBA. I just... I would not want to bet on like Achilles. I don't want to bet on, you know, anything like that. It scares you. It's also very difficult to bet on like Kyrie playing a ton of minutes. Like he just, he's super, he's awesome player, but like, it just hard. He's missed an average of like 24 games the last five years. It's, it's hard to bet on him playing 55 Um, games. I think. Speaking of injury next team, Orlando was 33 and 40 last year. Jonathan Isaac's probably gonna miss the whole year. Yeah. What is their over under 32 on Bovada? So this one's interesting. They're, they're, uh, they seem like an over to me. I don't know. It's just right under really? 500. Somebody has to lose games, right? That's the thing. Like, so somebody has to lose games. But like Orlando, Vooch is So they won play. 33 and they're over under 32? Yeah, 32. Oh, See, I think this is a, one of my strongest bets. I'm going under. You think pretty heavily under. here. Okay, okay. And I can see the argument. Clifford's a good coach. They still have some vets. Isaac, everyone loves him, but he wasn't like a great offensive player. It's right, like he's not playing loss. either, so it doesn't, yeah. Um, I just think this is a team that's going to think about mailing it in. I, I, don't, I don't think that. I'm not saying that you're, I'm not saying that, that you're not spot on saying they're going to go under, but there's no way they're going to mail it in. No chance. But what if they start like 10 and 16 and, you know, they're like, where it's going to be hard to make the playoffs this year what's the point it's definitely an interesting year in the east where like you're not sitting there staring at that seventh and eighth spot like hey this is very gettable because the bottom of the east is so terrible there are still some bad teams in the east for sure but like the competition from like 10 up is pretty stinking good and it does seem like orlando is right on that outside looking in well you know what i think is going to be interesting for them and might determine their fate is okay so if i were them i think you know maybe we have some pieces here i think we need a superstar like you know maybe we need to tank for one and so that's why i think like um markel fultz is going to be so interesting because maybe he's like your go-to guy maybe he's going to average 27 and 7 or whatever but if not under on those predictions if not his qualifying offer next year as a restricted free agent is 16 million dollars man as the number one pick. So he's not worth that now. So and if he's not going to be worth that next year, I think you need something. What's the, what's the deadline for them to, I don't to know. offer him a rookie question. extension? Uh, we should look that up for next week because he's a really interesting case because you see it sometimes with him, right? Like, I think this is a, like, this is a huge year for him just in, in the sense that, like, he took some, like, real strides last year to make you believe that, like, he could be an NBA point guard. But then – they drafted Cole Anthony and like, can you play those two guys together? And then they still have Michael no. Carter Williams. Like they lost DJ or they lost DJ Augustine, who was actually pretty good. Ross and Fournier had really bad years last year. Dwayne Bacon's there and apparently going to start. Like this is a weird roster, man. Like they have well, no and I think shooting. that that's why like I go on the under. Like DJ Augustine might not sound like much, but 
going from DJ Augustine to Cole Anthony for 20 minutes a night. Like it's that's a big, a, it's a big yeah. deal. It's a big it's deal a for, for, for now, for sure. Yeah. Like Cole Anthony could definitely be better than DJ Augustine. It's possible. I, I think I'd bet against it. Augustine's been a good pro for a while, but like, I don't know. Maybe I should look at this a little bit more. 32. Steve Clifford's a good coach. They're going to defend. Like, you know, they're going to make you play the style that they want to play. They're just not going to be super good at it. It's, it's man. I don't know. I don't know. I, if I was the GM, I would tank, but I, you know, Hey, I'm not worried about my job security. And well, they do, like they do have Chuma Okiki who sat out all last year. Who's again, I like him, very but I, that's long what I'm, shooter, like same type of deal. That's that they what I'm thinking. But though, if, if Mark Helfeld is struggling again, they might say, Hey, let's mail it in. Let's play Cole Anthony. Let's play Okiki. Let's trade Aaron Gordon. Let's just embrace the rebuild. And so the, the over-under is not huge and it's very possible, but I think there's a pretty sizable chance that they tank. Uh, yeah, okay, I don't know. I, I don't know, man. Like they're, they're the next team. The next team decided not to tank. Charlotte won 23 and 42 last year, you know, drafted LaMelo signed Gordon Hayward. How bullish is Vegas on Charlotte? Bovada is not buying Charlotte as a legitimate playoff contender. Their over under is uh, 25 and a half. And I thought at the at the outset that their over under might be juiced a little bit because they outplayed their expectations last year, right? They they had a, a good year, like a good enough year, if you will. And I was pretty confident that maybe it would be uh, it would, people would consider it better. Twenty five and a twenty five and a half seems pretty reasonable, to be honest with you. I guess I'm gonna go over but slightly like i don't think they're gonna make the play like i don't think they're the eighth seed in the playoffs like i don't think they're gonna be in that mix but like 27 wins like 27 and 45 that seems pretty reasonable i have a 28 and you know cautious for the reasons you mentioned last year's point differential they should have won about 19 games like they were worse than their record they were they were not a good team last year they were a good story though like Devontae graham was a good story they had all the buzzer beaters and whatever and like they'll be better this year for sure but also, if they give a ton of minutes to LaMelo, which there seems to be no reason that they wouldn't do that, they could be very bad because he yeah, could Yeah, LaMelo really could just be like, And same with Cole Anthony. Like, these rookie point guards could just be, like, the worst player in the NBA. And again, you're not really worried. This is why the Gordon Hayward signing made that sense, and I don't want to, like, get back into it. But, like, if you are trying to protect LaMelo and you're going to give him a lot of minutes, like, you've got to be, like, pretty prepared for him to just not be good because it's very rare for, like, John Morant's don't show up every year. It just doesn't mm-hmm. happen like that. I think there's more of a chance that you're Dennis Smith Jr. Um, That's true. It's a good point. Especially with Cole Anthony. But like, I like Gordon Hayward. I like PJ Washington. I think Cody Zeller's okay. Um, I'd take the over slightly. Okay, Washington, the team we've been talking about, last year, 25 wins only. Finished uh, the 10th spot. But, you know, Westbrook's in. Denny Avia's in. Yeah, they mailed in the bubble last year, right? Beal didn't show up, which is totally fine. Bovada didn't show up, remember? Bovada took this off the board. It was 33. This is probably a little bit of a joke by us. I think this will probably reappear around like 35 or 36, like right around whatever the Hawks were. At 33, it's a definite over. I don't know. I don't know if I'd take it over. Like, let's say it comes back and it's like 36 and a half. I don't know that I would take the over then. But if, it, if we're using 33, which we are for the sake of this, like, I think that's a definite over. I agree. I, I, and I, I, I completely agree. Over if it stays at 33. If it goes up to 36, I'm definitely going under. 
it's not even against Westbrook. It's just like, I don't think Rui's that good right now. I don't think Denny's going to be that good right now. They have like real fit issues in terms of like, can you play Denny and Rui together? What do you do with Troy Brown? They want to make him like a point guard. You know, they they have still, uh, they have Cassius Winston on a two-way deal. He'll play some, I think. Like they want to play Thomas Bryant a ton. Bertans is really good. They just paid him a lot of money. So he's got to play. He's going to come off the bench. Like this is an interesting team. They can do a lot of different things, but like it's very hard to assume they're going to, figure it out. Scott Brooks is not a good coach on the floor. Right. He's just not. And that's why like you look, we talked about the defense last in the league last year. And do you keep the same coach? You keep most of the roster the same. Like how is that going to get much better? I don't see it leading to an over 500 team. Yeah. And it's funny, like they traded for Russ and we know his relationship with Scott Brooks is very good. So like, how does that impact Beal and, Westbrook right like if Brooks Brooks loves Russell Westbrook and Russell Westbrook loves him it, it definitely makes sense that the that to get them back together but like is Scott Brooks the type of guy that's going to tell Russ to like chill out he he never did it in Oklahoma City right he never once told him to like relax he was like yeah Russ shoot the ball a million times in the fourth quarter it's fine uh, I'll like, make this prediction too I want you to save this and file it away for later um Westbrook's gonna have like a great month or something and go like 30 10 and 10 mvp buzz city embraces him but ultimately i just don't think it's a winning formula oh and, uh, they, and, and again he's a good guy to have like he's a superstar right like he in terms of like if you could sell tickets which you cannot at the moment although they are trying to they sent my mom an email to buy season tickets so i'm not, not quite sure what that means but uh russ is a good guy to like keep the energy up you know and i would i would watch them if if they were coming to town i'd I'd rather watch washington than let's say chicago who's next 22 and 43 next this year last year billy donovan is the coach they They have patrick williams they added not a big difference maker problem bovada has them at 29 and a half and i think that's like i think this is an under like i i wanted to go over until i started thinking about it like I think there's some good things about their roster. Kobe White was better last year. It doesn't seem like Patrick Williams is going to be a difference maker this year. And I think Billy Donovan's a good coach. Like I, all the stuff I said about Billy Donovan, thankfully, I think we started this podcast after I crushed him for two years. I I thought they were going to be better, but that seems like a lot of wins for a team that's just not that talented. They're just right. not that I, good. I have under two. To yeah. go from 22 last year, I'm going up to 26 or 27, but I don't see the – difference in the roster enough yeah, what's the upside right like they lost chris dunn who might have been their best player just in terms of his overall impact like auto porter was hurt for the entire season yeah, porter will help um but it's just i think this is a team that they had the fourth pick right and they had some pieces and i really wish they made a bigger move they kind of just stood pat we we really liked them last year and it just didn't work and we we liked the roster we didn't like boiling like and so maybe Billy Donovan's the guy to make it happen. Like maybe Laurie Markkinen's having a good year. Like they figure out what they want to do with Wendell Carter. Otto comes back and plays well. But you still have like Levine and Denzel Valentine and Garrett Temple and like Kobe needs the ball. And I don't know, man. It seems like this team's just not very good. Like this team would be probably pretty fun in 2K. They're, they're probably not super yeah, fun as an I, NBA team. Yeah, I'm, I'm not a big Kobe White fan. I, I, I don't really see a push to make the playoffs right now. Billy Donovan's new. The GM's new. Maybe they don't really care um, about competing for the playoffs this year. Uh, the Knicks don't seem to either. They're next team, 21 and 45 last year. New coach, Tom Thibodeau. But they didn't really change their roster much either. Added Obi Toppin. And that's pretty much it, right? I mean, Yeah, Bovada has them at 22 and a half. That seems, again, I, I, I said this to somebody else the other day. 
all these wins, like they're between a certain number, right? But if you kind of think about NBA wins, if it's like normally distributed, like somebody has to win like 15 games and somebody has to win like 55 or 60 games, right? The Knicks to me strike me as a team that is probably going to be a little bit better than their win total. Like Bibbs is going to have them defending. Like they do have some okay players, but like the roster is just not talented. Like even if you think Obi's great and you really like Mitchell Robinson and you think RJ Barrett's going to like be better, like what, what else about the Knicks are you supposed to get excited about? Like this just screams 20 win team to me. And it's not even, it's not even that like they're, not going to play well. Like, Bibbs is a good coach. He'll have them competing. Like, he's fine. But, like, what, where does he have to work with? I wrote down 20 as well for their projected. I just think, and I kind of like it. They were pretty patient this offseason. And they're just like, look, we're probably not there yet. Like, we don't need no. to make their mad push like we tried to make last year. And I think they're going to be one of the bottom five teams. And yeah. that's probably in their best interest. Because, you know, the problem, too, is, like, for what Fibs wants to do, which is play your guys a bazillion minutes and, like, be good defensively, like, you have Alfred Payton, you have Austin Rivers, you have Dennis Smith, you have Natilla Kina, you have Barrett, like, Alec Burks, Kevin Knox, like, Julius Randle, Toppin. Like, you don't have guys that fit what he wants to do right now. Right. So it'd be different if he had all this like length and like defensive minded type dudes, like maybe that gets him to like 31 or 32 wins. But like this roster, like just feels like he's going to be like fighting the roster the entire year to try to play yeah. how he wants to play. Right. Although I do. Well, think the, only, yeah, the only thing I think like I can see a scenario, if you were a big Obi Toppin fan, you'd say this is an older rookie. He was very good in college last he year. comes in averaging right 20 points a game and like a John Morant type season. I don't, I'm just not a huge believer. You're not either in him. I, I so, think he's going to put up numbers. Like I, I think Obi's a pretty smart bet for rookie of the year. Cause I think like he's going to play a lot of minutes and he's going to score and have some highlight real dunks and stuff. And I, I just don't, I think there's a chance that Obi Toppin is very Michael Carter Williamsy. Mm, like the, the numbers look really good and, and people get excited about him. And then you peel back the onion a little bit and uh, he's not, a very good NBA player. I think that's a real, there's a chance. I'd like Obi Toppin to succeed, by the way. I think I've been very negative about him, but I think it's cool. He's a New York kid. Like he gets drafted by the Knicks. He seems like a good dude. He was super thankful for his teammates on draft night. Like I, I think Obi Toppin would be cool if he succeeded. It'd be good for the Knicks. And it's fun when the Knicks are good. Which is yeah. And, it, and I think this whole like toxic culture and, and like, you know, cursed franchises overrated. Like the Clippers were about as toxic as you can imagine 10 years ago. And they become like one of the powerhouses. I think the Knicks are a couple players away from that. Um, Detroit, 20, very hard game team to pick. 20 and 46. And remember, that's out of 66 games because they weren't in the bubble. So 20 probably translates to 22 in, out of six. Yeah. Where do they stand? Okay. Uh, Movada does not like the Detroit Pistons. They are, they are not fans. They are at 22 or 23 and a half wins. Detroit had a very, Detroit had a bad off season. I don't really know how else to specify their off season. Right. When, when one of the most, one of the biggest like needle moving move you make is like you sign Leangelo ball to an exhibit 10 deal. It just means people aren't super excited. They spent a bunch of money. Right. And Blake Griffin's supposed to be back. Siku was actually pretty interesting last year. I think this is an over, right? I just think this is going to be a very mediocre team. Like, it feels like they're going to win 26 games. I think they should be trying to tank, right? Like, they should not be trying to win 26 games. But, like, 
it's, we've talked about this before. Like, why do they have Derrick Rose, DeLon Wright, Rodney Magruder, Blake Griffin, Mason Plumley, Jaleel Okafor, and then also have Killian Hayes? Like, why are they doing this? Right? It, it, right. It, it's they just should have banked, and then somehow you sign Jeremy Grant for twenty million. Somehow you keep Blake Griffin. I don't want to dwell on this. Troy Weavers is their new GM. Came over from Oklahoma City. He's guy looks like he has jobs. no. Guy looks like he has no idea what he's doing. Maybe there's a plan. We just don't see it. Well, I I heard so many good things about him, and then he makes these weird moves. I just watched a press conference with him. He doesn't sound like the brightest bulb, or at least not the best public speaker. Yes, I'm not you, either. But you love the press conference test. That's it for you. Like if they sound stupid in a press <laughs> conference, you write them off for life. You'll 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 keep well, you know, going. You'll keep giving Josh Jackson chances. Ironically, so will Troy Weaver. But but Troy Weaver gets one shot to have a presser, and that's it for you. Not to be a snob, okay? Not to be like a, you know, snooty aristocrat. <laughs> but I was looking at the GMs. I was trying to figure out, like, what. Um, you know, there's there's a slight, like, push to have these, like, you know, really smart analytical GMs, you know, the Tal Bogers of the world. Um. Trey Weaver went to community college for like a year. <laughs> no, don't do this. Don't I'm do just this. saying. I'm just saying. And and he's like a basketball lifer. Then he got into AAU and he clearly did well. Apparently he pushed for draft Russell Westbrook. So maybe he's just like a basketball savant. Um, he's not, you know, the music man at a press conference. I'll just say that. And although I will take the over because Blake Griffin, <laughs> um, if Blake Griffin's healthy, last time he was healthy, they were 500. I think he's just way too good to, to win 22, 23 games yeah. if he's healthy. If Blake Griffin's healthy, like, you know, again, I've, I've said this before. Like, I think Blake Griffin's career has been, like, vastly underrated in terms of how good he actually is because I think people don't love his attitude. They think he's, like, too goofy. He never really got a chance to, like, be a primary ball handler. He still gets to do that here because Derrick Rose is obviously more of a scorer. Like, I, I, I love Blake Griffin. Like, I've, I would have been And he's very... 31. He's turning 32 in March. I mean, he's not done. He's not finished. He just can't stay healthy. It's like, I mean, again, I've said this before, but, like, I think I said it last week. If the Wizards were going to make the deal, like, I'd much have preferred, as a Wizards fan, that they traded Wall for Blake Griffin than Wall for Westbrook. Because I, I do think, like, if you're trading for an old guy who's injury-prone – like Blake Griffin's the lotto ticket, man. Like it, it's entirely possible he could average twenty-eight, eight and five. Absolutely. I wish he had more shooting around him. You got rid of Canard. You have Delon Wright's not a good shooter. Jeremy Grant's not a great shooter. Sadiq Bay the roster doesn't make a lot of sense. It's just weird, man. Like, and they didn't like they 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 drafted Isaiah Stewart, and they have like four centers on the roster already. Like, I don't get it's it. I, I, it's I a tall, bad shooting roster. I think Trey Weaver's major at community college was ladders. He just God, really. I, I hate you for this. Uh, that's a community TV show reference. Anyway, Atlanta um, finished. This, this is the last one, right? No, well, there's no, Cleveland, Cleveland too. We could too, let's yeah. let's come back to Atlanta because it's the most interesting. Cleveland, nineteen and forty-six. One of the worst teams. What else? What's their over under? I'm just going to stop you here with Cleveland. Their over under is twenty-two and a half. It's the lowest on Bovada. This to me is an under. I don't know how good J.B. Bickerstaff is. I've told you before, I think there's some interesting things that have happened under J.B. Bickerstaff's watch that like, we don't really seem to talk about, but he's, uh, he's an NBA head coach. He's got a long-term deal. Cleveland's roster, I'm going to just throw this term out to you right now, Zane, and you tell me if you think it fits. Cleveland's roster stinks. 
It's it's awful. It is the worst roster in the NBA. I, I think it's worse than Oklahoma City's roster, and we don't know that Cleveland is trying to lose. Oklahoma City, at least we know they're trying to lose. But, like, they still have Kevin Love. They have Andre Drummond. They have JaVale McGee. Yeah, obviously, they got him in a trade. They're, they have Isaac Okoro, which maybe that's good. Colin Sexton so, showed some signs of life. But, like, this roster's terrible. They're going to win 18 games. I, I, don't, I, I don't know how else to yeah. say. I'm taking the under two. The only reason they still have Kevin Love, they have Andre Drummond. It's kind of weird in that way, but those guys I think are the rest all, of the, those guys are all trade chips, aren't they? Like Andre Drummond's on a one year deal. Yeah, you got to trade right them though, if you want to hit this under. Um, I just think the rest of the team is just so it's not good defensively. It's, it's not good. Like this wait. is this is an amazing stat to me. I like Darius Garland coming out of college. He was so um, bad last year. Yeah, he, you know, starting guard. Averaged 31 minutes a game. He averaged um, less than two rebounds, 1.9, and then he averaged 1.2 free throws a game. He's just like so undersized and under and, like strength or whatever the word is. And I don't, I don't want to like belabor this point on Cleveland, right? But like him and Colin Sexton don't really make sense because like Darius Garland is. We've always heard like, oh, he's Damian Lillard, and obviously he's not that, not yet at least, and probably not going to be that. I think we would have seen some signs. But, like, Colin Sexton is, like, this, like, attacking guard who needs the ball in his hands. And, like, you have Kevin Porter who's very similar and also super talented. Like, one of those guys just is not going to fit. And it, you know, last year it certainly seemed like it was Darius Garland, right? And Because we heard, like, oh, he finishes like Chris Paul. He, like, runs a team like this. And it's like we saw none of that last year. He was – Yeah, and awesome. in his defense, like, Lillard came in the league older. Steph Curry right. came in the league older. He came in after – freshman year really is was just not right he didn't really play because he was injured and like this roster again it's terrible like i want i want you to look at cleveland's roster for me and tell me one thing that excites you about their team because like okoro same deal like i don't like a core either um that's that's my point i don't like like anything yeah i i like larry nance I like Larry Nance. All right. Last and I like Kevin Love as like a person. I like Kevin Love. Oh, and JaVale um, McGee is always interesting. But this team stinks. They're so bad. Uh, all right. Uh, last Atlanta one is the Atlanta, most right? interesting. Yeah. Okay, so, so they were 20 is... and 47 last year with a negative 7.9 point differential. How big of a jump does Vegas think they're going to take? Uh, Vegas has them at f- – so Bovada has this number at 105 – I'm sorry, at 35.5. However, I don't – I want to say that with a caveat because we saw it at 37 and a half, a number of other places. This 35.5 number on Bovada is minus 165. So my assumption is when this number came out, a bunch of people like bet it, bet the under. And so they moved it down. And now it's at a point where like they don't want people to take the under. They want people to take the over. So they've, they've juiced that line a good bit because like 35 and a half seems like a very strong over to me. But it's at 37 at other places. So. Right. But like minus 165 seems like a number that I don't want to bet it at because like, why would I, I mean, that's just a weird payout, I think on an over under where you just assume it's minus 110, right? You just assume that's what it yeah, is. It's like over unders don't make a lot of sense anyway. It's just holding right. up your money for a long time. So to bet minus 160 is like really, it's, no just, point. it's just not smart. Right. And so this is no knock on Bovada at all. It's just, we saw this number at a different thing and we you know, we use Bovada, but it's, it's, it's interesting to think that it's very possible that people were very interested in betting this under to begin with. And at 37 and a half, like, I do think it's a question for sure. Like that's I, this team, 
I, I did read that Chris Dunn is not taking contact yet, which is, in my opinion, a, a big deal for them. I think Chris Dunn playing and defending the other team's best guard is like one of the best things they did this offseason was signing him for that. If he can't play, they're going to score, but are they going to defend? I, I don't I don't know, man. Like, I think they have a lot of question marks. I've talked about Lloyd Pierce before. We talked about Atlanta a lot last week, so we don't need to just go way in depth on it, but I think they're going to win 35 games. That's my personal opinion. So I guess based on this number, I would go under. Like, I just am not ready to say that, like, I think Atlanta is going to come out of the gates ready to go, not with how weird this season is, not with how many pieces they have to put together, not with kind of the discrepancies in terms of age on their roster. Like, I think Atlanta is a prime candidate for next year to bet a lot of money on them being good. I think this year, I think they're going to be pretty much a 500 team, I, I think. I have them as a pretty strong under as well i have them 34 wins so if you can get 37 under you should take that for the same reason you said it's just like they're going to be better it's just expecting a lot to improve by 15 16 games right like that happens usually right like one team a year will do something like that but i don't know man it's that's a ton of wins in a really weird season and and trey young played well last year and so like he'll be a little better probably camera will be a little better deandre hunter will be a little better but the season was what, like six months ago? It's right. not like it's, you can grow that much that quickly. And do we even know, like, if it, you know, Trey Young was fantastic on offense. He was horrendous on defense. We've covered this, but now that they have more options, everyone's just assuming, like, all right, that's better for Trey Young, but maybe it's not. Like, maybe he's worse without the ball in his hands. Like, maybe he's worse in less minutes. And I, I understand, like, I would predict the same as you that Trey Young should be better this year for sure. But there's no guarantee that like Trey Young's going to have the same season he had last year. You don't always have to follow that like linear career arc, right? Like you don't need to well, do and, that. And at this point, cause I think these two seasons are kind of going to merge together in a weird way because they're so like rushed. Um, so I don't know if we're going to see like as big of growth or decline as you were used to. I would, I think I'd lean to them over Washington for the eighth seed, but I think the eighth seed is going to be a team that's like 34 and 38. Like, I just don't think it it has to be a, you know, 39, 30, 40 win team to make. That's, that's definitely true. That's, that's definitely true. Uh, Like I said, Trey Young, 29 and a half, 9.3, 4.3 last year on 44, 36, 86. Like that's pretty spectacular. If he, if he gets his, you know, two-point field goal percentage up a little bit. Like, he could have a monster year. I said before, I think he's a smart MVP bet if you're trying to just throw some money around. Like, I think it's worth considering. But, again, I until I see Lloyd Pierce manage this, because he's looked pretty hapless the last couple of years, right? And we heard some rumors that, like, maybe he was done. I wonder, Zan, you know, you, you're all in on the Scott Brooks is going to be the first coach fired, and that is probably true because he's, I doubt he's getting his contract re regardless. But, like, there's a chance that, like, Lloyd Pierce gets fired in season and Atlanta just tries to get the best coach for next year. And, like, this is – Right. I think the way – I, I wrote a post on Reddit about coaches' chances of survival. My, I thought Scotty Brooks was the most likely to get fired. I think that's right, by the way. I just and, – And Pierce, number two. I, I think because yeah. the expectations are higher for both teams. Um, and I think they'd be – I think Atlanta especially would be appealing for a new coach. Right. This mentioned. is – yeah, and this is a roster that's like ready to go. So like maybe you know, you know maybe this is Kenny Atkinson in a year. Like we've talked right. about, and there's good he was there, um, and he's currently yeah. I was, I forgot where he was. He's an assistant right now for the Clippers. I think he's going to be prime for another coaching job. Yeah, exactly. I, I, I think would go to Atlanta. Right, and and again, like maybe this is Dave Yeager in a year. You know what I mean? Like there are guys out there that, and I'm not again. I'm not saying Lloyd Pierce is definitely going to fail. I just think that 
like you said, this is a weirder situation. The pressure is definitely on. You don't get the leash that you'd expect coming off a team that won what? What they win eight, 18 games last year, 19 games last year? I And I think I saw that, you know, it might have been the NFL. <laughs> I saw a post saying that the coach of the year always goes to the guy who um, beat pre their over under by the most, not like the turnaround, the over under by the most. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if, um, if I'm Lloyd Pierce and I see, oh God, I'm expected to win 37 games. I'm expected to improve by 17 wins. Like I would be annoyed by that. I don't, I don't think they set them up for I mean, success they, in that way. They, yeah. And like I said, they had 20 wins, right. In 67 games last year. So five more games, maybe they have 22 wins. And so let's just assume that's a 13, 14 game improvement. Like it seems much more likely that we'll see a 10 game improvement. Right. And that'd be good. I mean, they're on the right track either way. It's just a matter of like, how quickly do you have to get there? And so they're one of my best bets. I think Atlanta under, Toronto, Toronto for sure over. over. Um, I like Orlando under. You didn't. What else did you like the best? Cleveland under is my best bet for an under. Toronto yeah. over, Cleveland under. I, I just don't like it. As I, like I said, I think. I, I also like the Charlotte over too. I, I think that they'll beat their over. Whether they should or should not is a question for later in the year, probably. But. Cleveland's roster is just abysmal. It's so bad. And I don't know what they're doing. Like, cause you have to give the ball to Darius Garland. You have to give the ball to Kevin Porter. You have to give the ball to Colin Sexton. Like who the hell knows what they're going to do. I think Cleveland's going to be terrible. The worst team in the league. to me. And they do have this like play in thing. You can be a ninth or 10th seed and maybe play your way into the playoffs. But it, while it might be nice, what's the point you go up against Brooklyn or Milwaukee and get blown out in the playoffs? Like it makes more sense if you're in that position to be like, look, let's look at Kate Cunningham. Let's look at Jalen Suggs or whatever Scruggs and really try it's to. Su- it sucks. It sucks. Jalen Green. It like, looks like a good draft basically. And, and here's the other thing too. One last point before we plug your, uh, the first week of Ch- MTV challenge. Acceptance. Oh yeah. Did you, are you going to watch this? Did you listen to the first? I episode? might. No, I didn't listen to the first. I was like, I got other things going on. I had dressed up in a Santa suit. It was a big deal. Uh, I think that with this specific group of guys, group of teams, I think like both whoever gets the eight seed, I think is going to feel pretty good about being able to compete against the one seed, which we have not seen in the past. But like Atlanta and Washington, like let's say it's one of those teams, or maybe Indiana, those are good enough teams. Like they're not so much worse than the Bucks and the Nets at this point. It's not like Orlando or Detroit when you just know they stink, right? So I do think that there will be teams trying to get the eighth seed thinking they can win that series. It, it won't happen, of course, but it, I, I think there are more likely to be competitive one eight series than we've seen in the past in the Eastern Conference, but. Um, it'll be fun. I am glad that Westbrook, I'm not a big Westbrook guy, but I'm glad they're going to make the eighth seed competitive. I think Charlotte's going to feel good about it. You know, at least the chances, Washington, Atlanta, of course, maybe another team, maybe Chicago or, you know, Detroit. Hopefully they're better than last year. Cause last year, you know, the, the 10th seed one was 23 and 42. I mean, like that's how bad the East was. I think there will be a stronger middle class. Yeah, Joe Biden's leadership. <laughs> All right, so your show, MTV Challenge Accepted. You yeah, we and- did a preview show. If you've never watched the show, big mistake, but you can want, listen to our first episode and kind of learn about the cast a little bit, watch the ride along with us. And you've said yourself, you don't need to have watched any other seasons of the show. You can literally come in totally blind and get the exact same experience as everyone else. Well, I don't know about exact same. You might might think that like CT and Wes are like actual sociopaths, which they might be. I don't know. They might be, but 
Is we Johnny Banana? Their CT and West are both back. We got is Johnny Bananas back, or no, he's no dying? Johnny, he's... no Cara Maria. Oh, disappointing. Turbo, if you know Turbo. Okay, um, so that airs. Listen what? to that challenge accepted. Does, it's and on that airs, Wednesdays. Does it air? Th- does the show air Thursdays or Fridays? You you record the Thursdays, Wednesdays. Um, our show is a few days later because we're a little slow. But okay, that you can also find. I'm sure links to that. Zan underscore ellison on twitter and reddit and then you can email the show xander ellison at gmail.com and uh, we'll be back next week we're going to do western conference over-unders and then any sort of news that comes up and then the wins draft will be our last episode before opening night and then we'll have games to talk about so the season is right around the corner so zan i always enjoy talking to you and like i say yeah, every episode happy holidays. It's a pleasure i'm glad you're in a better spirit now you know you're, you're so much happier when you're talking over-unders than when you have to play with your child or talk about the draft i like i like over unders more than the draft all right we'll see you guys next week thanks for listening to the underdog sports nba show with your host tyler laurie and zandrick ellison tune in next week for more nba storylines and news